Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Joe Cornwell. Thanks for being on the show, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Joe, uh, he's had small multifamily properties. He's a buy and hold investor. He's a 16-unit portfolio, over four properties. Um, he's an Ohio uh, real estate agent. And, and we, we want to get into a little bit about how, you know, as a uh, deal sponsor or GPI, we're looking for deals, the relationship with uh, agents and just how he got into this business and how he's moving into the syndication business. But to get us started, Joe, why don't you give us a little about your background and, and what, what led you to real estate? Uh, so I'm a police officer here in the Cincinnati area. Um, so my full-time job as well as the real estate business. So uh, what kind of initially led me into the real estate business was looking at a lot of the older police officers that I've worked with over the years who, uh, if they were lucky enough to make it to retirement and, you know, debt, a lot of bills, not necessarily lifestyle that I wanted, you know, when I got to retirement age. And that was kind of my initial interest in real estate is to just change my business from just a 401k traditional type retirement to, you know, something with a little bit more um, options as far as lifestyle. You know, I think real estate gives that opportunity to a lot of people. That was kind of my interest and, and motivation. Um, as far as my first deal and kind of what really sparked my more specific interest was kind of a live in flip that I did with my first house and it wasn't really intentional. Um, but, you know, long story short, through fixing it up, selling it for a profit um, between the forced appreciation for my own renovations and then the market appreciation, just buying it at the right time, selling it at the right time. Um, I saw the financial gains to be made from real estate, which helped motivate me to where I'm at now. So you said you were doing a live-in flip. Is that right? Yeah. And again, it wasn't intentional. It was just my first house, single family. Um, I bought it and, you know, I just... I, I've always been somebody who liked to stay busy. That's why I have so many full-time jobs, as we discussed. And uh, I did all, almost all the work myself. So to get into it uh, and learn the construction, just doing it myself, and then to see the profits at the end, like I said, it really sparked my motivation to, to dive into real estate full-time. Nice, nice. So you did the live-in flip. And then, you know, what was, I guess, the next real estate, you know, transaction? Or what, what, were you, what was your plans after that? Yeah, so that, that kind of helped me define my plans. Um, and again, that wasn't intentional. My first intentional investment was actually a duplex. Um, and that was about a year and a half after I sold my first house. I, I bought a uh, two-family. Um, and this initially was, again, to really kind of jumpstart my retirement vehicles instead of just doing a traditional 401k or, in, you know, in police work, we have a, a 457B, they call it, which is the equivalent of a 401k for a government job. but to really give me something extra. That was kind of my initial goal. Um, and since then it's transitioned to more of a full-time business and uh, not just a retirement, you know, vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And I can relate to you in a big way. I was, I started in real estate when I was a police officer and, and I, I seen guys that were uh, retiring. I just had a couple of years on at the time uh, when I got started in real estate, as far as in the police uh, you know, as being a police officer and I seen guys retiring with more than 20, 25 years on, and they weren't even making $40,000, you know, a year. And I just, I knew, okay, I've got to do something else. 
You know, there's got to be something more, you know. I really enjoyed it, but however, I knew I had to do something else, at least in addition to. Exactly. And it was the same way for me. You know, I've been a police officer for a few years and, you know, there were guys working 35, 40, 45 years just to retire comfortably. And and I knew that's not something I wanted to do. Um, And and at this point with the uh, real estate businesses that I'm focused on, I probably won't stay in law enforcement permanently. I do still enjoy it. Um, So it's not necessarily because I I hate my job or anything like that. It's more of, I think that there's better opportunities uh, financially and and certainly lifestyle wise. We don't really have great hours uh, when it comes to law enforcement. So there's uh, better opportunities in the real estate business. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you bought the duplex and then, and then, you know, do you still own that and what happened after that? Yeah. So my, my strategy for buy and hold is long-term hold. So uh, I started with the duplex and I really scaled up in the past uh, year and a half or so. This year I purchased a six unit in February. Uh, I purchased another six unit in July, which was just next to the uh, first one. So that was an off market deal kind of fell in my lap. And uh, I'm actually currently purchasing another duplex which will put my, my portfolio at 16 total apartments. And so going from, you know, duplex in my first year as a, an investor to 12, uh, I'm sorry, 14 apartments in the second year, it's obviously scaled up pretty quickly. Yeah. So what's, what's been something that's been really difficult as far as the scaling like that? I mean, that's, that's quite a few units, you know, to buy, you know, in, the, in your second year, what, how did you scale that? How, what was, what's been something difficult you've had to work through? Well, the difficulties were definitely the first deal. I, it, it wasn't a bad deal, but it was definitely my worst deal. And, you know, I kind of did the, the burst strategy. I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners have heard about, you know, where I buy it, uh, renovate it, rent it out, and then refinance it. And, and that's kind of the, the deals I look for in, you know, even small multifamilies or in larger uh, multifamilies. You know, I look for value-add opportunities. So, Luckily, a lot of my capital that I had put into that first duplex deal, I was able to recycle when I refinanced that. And that really helped me scale into my six unit. And then um, I did a little bit of creative financing on that second six unit to help me get to get that one uh, purchased. And then this uh, duplex I'm purchasing now is actually a really great deal. That's going to be another bird deal where at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to when I refinance this, I'll walk away with about $5,000 in profit in addition to having no money left in the deal and it'll still be cash flowing. So it's a really a win-win-win once this one's done. Great. So moving on, you know, from here on out, what's your, what's your goal, I guess, moving forward? You, you bought all these units in the second year. What What's next? Yeah. So my initial goal uh, was 20 units and, and I set that goal about three years ago. And, and obviously um, I'm getting there a lot faster than I initially anticipated, but from there, as soon as I hit that that twenty that twenty unit mark, based on the metrics I'm buying, is when I look to really scaling up as far as joint ventures and syndication, and that's to me kind of the next logical step that most investors run into, um, including a lot of my clients. So, um, obviously, the benefits of that, in my opinion, and the reason why I buy multifamily uh, even currently is because I, I think that economies of scale from having multiple units under one door, the um, you know, the ability to add value in commercial property and, you know, reposition it for, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars uh, in value, even on smaller deals, um, just gives you so much more power and leverage than you would have on, you know, buying single families. So, so what is, I guess, layout, you know, how you have, how are you educating yourself to be able to be confident to move into the syndication business, you know, from doing, you know, a duplex, couple, six units, what's, what's been your process? 
Yeah. So, uh, like I said, about three years ago, when I initially knew I wanted to get into buying or investing, I just started educating myself in every way possible. I've listened to just about every podcast out there. Uh, as far as real estate, I've listened to, you know, a lot of audio books. I read a lot of books and as you can probably see behind me, I got a stack of books here. A lot of those are real estate books. Um, so when I was brand new investor, I pretty much got my PhD in my opinion on real estate investing, even in a few short years, because it consumed all of my you know, free time. And um, obviously as police officers, we have a lot of downtime. So, you know, between runs, I'm able to listen to uh, you know, audio books, I'm, I'm able to read. And, um, you know, that's one benefit of having the job that I have where I do have downtime. I can, I can educate myself. Nice. Nice. So, so what about, you know, moving into the syndication business? Are you, you know, looking for investors now? Are you raising capital now? Are you preparing for, to do a larger deal? Yeah. So one of the benefits, um, and one thing I can really suggest to any, any newer investor is talk about what you're doing. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, all my renovation projects, um, and again, I said, I do value add. So we're doing pretty big construction projects on everything I buy. Um, you know, I take a lot of before and after photos. I talk about the numbers. I talk about the things I'm doing on my Facebook page. And that's, that's primarily how I would, uh, say I've drawn, you know, money partners and it wasn't even an intentional thing. Um, you know, looking back, I kind of see organically how I was able to attract money partners and, and potential investors because I just talk about what I'm doing, you know? So when people see that you're, you know, taking these kind of dumpy apartments and making them beautiful, uh, they want to be a part of it, you know, and, and through that, I've actually had several people, high net worth people, you know, high income people approach me and say, Hey, how can I get on one of these deals that you're doing? How, you know, how can I do something like that? Um, and again, that wasn't even intentional at the beginning. I didn't, it wasn't like that was a planned thing. You know, I'm putting this out there. I want to see who would give me money, nothing like that. It, it, it's just strictly telling everybody that you talk to and everybody in your, in your network, uh, what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, and, and you're going to naturally attract people like that. Nice. So, you know, tell us, you know, to that, to that, person who is kind of in your shoes looking to move into the syndication business, you know, I hear, you know, difference in opinions all the time about, you know, do I start with small multifamily or even single family, then move up? You know, what's really your opinion? You know, would you do it the way, you know, you've done it again, or, or would you more focus on syndication right off the bat? Well, I think that's a little bit different for every single person. Um, you know, I, with having the full-time jobs, I, I have a, a safety net where, you know, if I have a bad deal, I'm going to be okay. Right. But I think for us as syndicators or, or joint venture partners or raising money of any kind for investing, the number one duty we have is to our investors, right? If we're bringing other people's money into our deals, that has to be, you know, the utmost sacred and importance that, that we take care of. So when you start talking about bringing other people into your deals, um, it's not just about you and your family and your own wealth. It's about the responsibility you have to your, to your investors. So I think, that if you are confident and you know what you're doing and you're ready, then you could jump straight into uh, in syndicating and joint ventures and things like that. Um, but if you are a new investor and you've never really done anything in real estate and you don't have a, a major financial background where you can absorb a, a major mistake or loss, um, then then you have to be very careful when you start getting into syndication. So when in your career, as far as real estate, you know, or maybe in law enforcement, when did you decide, okay, I want to become a, an agent? Um, I knew pretty quick in, in the uh, buy and hold strategy that I had to be an agent, at least from my own business model, because, you know, in Cincinnati, it, it's a booming market right now. There's especially in, in multifamily, you know, if a good deal comes up on the MLS, 
you don't have you have minutes, you know, not hours or days to, to go look at a property. And I did try to buy a couple of properties prior to getting my real estate license. And, you know, if it takes an agent two days to get back to you or two days to get you into a, a property, it's going to be gone. Um, anything that, that has high value add or, or is priced, you know, under market or even you know at market at this point, um, you just can't wait. So for me and my business, I, I knew I had to get my license. Um, and initially getting my license, it was strictly to benefit myself. You know, that was kind of the initial plan. Um, but it quickly grew into assisting residential clients. And then, you know, in the past couple of years, it's transitioned more into working with uh, other investors and, and larger syndication groups. Nice. So what cons would you say there are as far as, you know, having your license and being an investor also? Well, I think for, again, for, for everybody, it, it may be a little different because if you're not the type of person that, you know, wants to spend a lot of time, you know, researching MLS on your own, you know, analyzing deals, if you don't have any intentions on helping anyone else as far as brokering for other people, there's really not a whole lot of benefit to having it. If you have a really good agent that is going to be on the ball, you can basically have that same benefit without going, you know, spending the time and effort to get your license. And one of the downsides is in some of the other real estate businesses, if you're a wholesaler, if you're somebody that is marketing to motivated sellers, uh, you know, in Ohio, at least you have to notify them that you're a licensed agent. It's, it's illegal not to. So I don't know if every state's like that, but at least in Ohio, you, you have a duty to notify a buyer or a seller, I'm sorry, that you're trying to buy their property. Um, and if you don't have your license, you know, like a, a whole for, wholesaler, for example, it actually may be a benefit to not have to do extra disclosures uh, without having a license. So what type of properties are you selling as an agent? Mainly, like I said, this year, it's been a lot of multifamily. So that goes, you know, everything from duplexes all the way up to 99 units. Um, okay. That's, that's the size deals that I've done as a broker. Um, and when I say broker, as an agent, you know, brokering for someone. So, you know, I, I've, I've been able to experience quite the gamut as far as unit counts and kind of how those deals are structured a little bit differently. But I would say my my kind of sweet spot lately has been the mid-sized multifamilies, you know, like the 12 to 50 units. And that's just because that's a lot what a lot of people are looking for, at least in my in my client base in my market. Can you give us some pointers as far as the relationship between, you know, the buyer and and you as the agent when you have that, you know, 50 to let's say 100 unit property that that you're gonna sell? You know, what what does that relationship look like? Give us some pointers for that for that new person that you know, maybe hasn't called a broker yet, you know, is really hesitant to make that first phone call. Yeah. So I, I think one of the main things you can do to set yourself apart from, from the other buyers or, 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 you know, other potential buyers is have all of your stuff planned out, have all your ducks in a row, have all your paper up, paperwork together. Because I've had a lot of people who have found me on other real estate websites or, you know, been referred by somebody else and they call me and they want to find a deal. Um, you know, and the problem is they're not prepared. They don't have, um, you know, if they're trying to syndicate, they don't have commitments from from their other investors that they may have may have verbal conversations and things like that, um, you know. And, and basically, the bottom line is, the more prepared and serious you are, even if you don't have a big track record, you know, a broker is going to take you more serious because if you don't have proof of funds, if you don't have the things that are necessary in this market to compete with other buyers, you're going to lose, and, and a broker is not going to waste their time with you, um, you know. And if you find a broker that is going to spend a lot of time with you they're probably not doing a lot of business because, you know, if they are, they don't have time. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. So I guess, could you go in a little more detail as far as how, how we could be planned better or, you know, how, how should we be prepared better? Maybe give us a few more details. Sure. You know, if we're brand new, what, what do we need to bring, you know, when we come or talk to you the first time, what do we need to have ready? Yeah. I mean, so the initial conversation, you're certainly going to want to know what exactly, 
uh, asset class wise you're trying to you're looking for right you, you got to have very detailed things you know what type of neighborhood do you want to be in i mean at least in cincinnati it's it's all pretty well defined at least where there's multifamily opportunities so there's not a massive you know distinction cincinnati is very um similar i guess throughout the greater cincinnati area but you got to know you know are you looking for 100 units are you looking for you know 20 units are you looking for b class c class you kind of need to know what you're looking for because the broker's not going to be able to tell you that they're not going to be able to figure that out for you now they're going to be able to point you in different neighborhoods and directions to kind of show you what's on that market Um, but you really need to know what you're trying to invest in and what you're if you're bringing money into the deal from other uh, investors you need to know what they're comfortable and what they're looking for Um, and on that note you know you need to have your pretty strong commitments from your investors because you don't want to get down the line of a, a deal and have it under contract and then not have the money available to close on it. That's that's probably the most important thing um, is to have the funds available from yourself or your, your other investors so you can close the deal, especially when you're talking about putting up in some of these deals, you know, big, um, you know, hard money that that is going down in escrow if you're going to lose it, if you don't come up with the money. So, and Again, as I said, if you're bringing other people's money in, that has to be taken care of with the utmost importance so, so you don't lose it. Are there, are there any red flags that kind of pop out to you when, when you're talking to somebody that just tell you, tells you that, okay, this person's not a serious buyer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I get calls all the time, um, you know, people that want to buy 150 units or, or, you know, a higher unit count. And, you know, I kind of I talk to them about their experience. And even some of, the, some of these people may have a track record, um, but they don't have, you know, they don't have any proof of funds. Um, they don't have any sort of commitment um, from their investors. And, you know, I can tell you right now, at least in Cincinnati, a seller is not going to even look at an offer or an LOI if you don't have a proof of funds, you know. And and sometimes I work with buyers and they get offended by that. They're like, well, why would I, you know, why would I have to come up with a, with a proof of funds statement or letter, you know, showing that I have, you know, this many hundreds of thousands or this million dollars, whatever it is, uh, when I haven't even seen the property is because you have 25, 30 other people that are looking at that same deal. So, you know, when 20 of them have what they need and you don't, you're already going to lose before you put an offer in. So. So when do you ask for proof of funds from somebody? I mean, just right away or when is that? Well, I don't necessarily make them demonstrate proof of proof funds to me for an initial conversation, but if, yeah, if it gets to the point where they're starting to underwrite deals and, and you know they're they're asking for me to invest my time and efforts into, into deals with them and, and for them on their behalf, then you know I have to know that they're one serious and two capable of, of closing the deal. So, Joe, you know why why are you moving to go back to really your business now? Why are you moving, you know, into the syndication model and not, you know, just going to stay in, you know, just finding another duplex or another sixplex or, uh, or sorry, even start, you know, flipping homes or something like that? Yeah, for me, uh, it's the same. The same reason why I chose the small multifamilies over single families is the same reason why I, I see the need going forward to scale into larger properties. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I have I have two full time jobs. I don't want to be managing everything on my own for the rest of my life uh, and to build the economies of scale, sustain, you know, maintenance and management into your own uh, portfolio. You have to have economies of scale, meaning higher unit counts. So uh, for me, it makes so much more sense to get a larger property. And the other thing is when you when you're dealing with small multifamily, you know, your margins are so much tighter. You know, if you have a roof go out, you have a higher capital expense cost. That is going to eat up such a higher percentage of your of your profits or cash flow that you know a, a large complex would sustain much easier, right? Um, so again, it's kind of benefits on every level, in my opinion. And the bigger thing, and and 
for me is even though I'm able to add value in, in some of these smaller bird deals and uh, you know, my two, six units is going to be like a $300,000 reposition at the end of the day when they're all renovated and re-rented at the higher rates. Um, you know, and that's all well and great, you know, but, but when you can do that same exact thing on a, you know, on a 50, 75, 100, 100 unit scale, if you can find similar metrics, it's basically the same amount of work at, at the end of the day. So, you know, you're talking maybe 10, 20 times the, the uh, wealth generation, and, and you can only do that through scaling up. Uh, so, Joe, what, what advice, some maybe key advice that you would give somebody that's also getting into the syndication business? Well, I think the, the main thing is, uh, again, you need to be in a position where you're confident. You, you have to be able to take care of your investors' money. So, you know, if you're not confident, you have no you know, financial background and you don't have a real estate background and, and you're not in a position to take care of somebody else's funds, then you probably should build your own um, track record as I've been doing. Um, and I think once you get to that point where you're ready, you'll know you're ready and you'll feel ready. Um, and of course, you know, syndicating and, and Bringing funds is an entirely different game, so um, uh, it's not going to be easy. I don't, I don't know any syndicator that that I, you know, met with, I'm friends with, or that I've worked with that that said their first deal was easy. It's not, you know, you, it's a lot of work, and there's a lot of things you got to learn to do and do correctly. But you know, I think when you're ready and you're at that point, you kind of just got to take it one step at a time, and and you don't have to know everything. And if you find a good broker that, that works with investors, they're going to be a, they're a resource for you to lean on. If you find a good property manager, they're going to be a resource for you to lean on. Uh, and, and you really just got to kind of my motto is what's my next problem to fix? You know, what's right in front of me? What, what do I need to learn next? What do I need to deal with next? And if you take it one step at a time like that, it's not so overwhelming because for a new investor, especially if they've, they've never done any real estate, it, there's, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of potential variables that you might have to overcome and learn. Um, and, and you really got to take it one step at a time. That's great. So Joe, would you tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you or learn more about you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, if you have any questions about real estate in general, uh, my, my email is probably the best way. It's jcornwell at realtyonestop.com. That's all spelled out. So J-C-O-R-N-W-E-L-L at realty, R-E-A-L-T-Y-O-N-E-S-T-O-P.com. Uh, and if you need any help in the Cincinnati market, if you're looking for an agent and uh, multifamily, I'd be happy to help you with that as well. Well, thank you so much, Joe. You've been a great guest. I hope the listeners will reach out to him, especially if you're looking in the Cincinnati market. Sounds like he'd be a great, great contact. Um, but I hope you'll join us on the Facebook group and I hope you'll connect with me on the website and reach out anytime you can schedule a call with me on the website. I'm glad to help you and, and uh, talk to anybody that I can. So reach out and we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.